0: Hello, my name is Dwayne Spearman and I am the founder of Directional Ministries located here in Lynchburg, Virginia. This is a teaching ministry that is called to encourage, disciple, and challenge the people of God. Hello, I hope you guys are doing well today. Today is Wednesday, April the 1st. We are already in the month of April 2020. Um, today I'm going to start a new study through the book of Daniels. And this is a study that we're going to be doing every Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. I believe the Lord has just told me that we need to spend more time in the Word. I need to spend more time in the Word, and I'm certain we all need to spend more time in the Word of God. Um, We're going through the book of Acts on Sunday mornings together. finished up chapter 3 last week and got into chapter number 4. And then I felt led to start the book of Daniel together. Um... Hey, we're all at home during this time, and we all do need to study. Um, we might as well be in the Word of God as part of our quarantine, <laughs> as part of our social distancing. Uh, so I am um, i just started a new study through Daniel, and I, I thought maybe you could come along. Uh, some of you will notice that I have renamed the ministry to Directional Bible Ministries. Uh, the reason I did that is I want people to know exactly what kind of ministry this is. This is a teaching ministry that is called to encourage, disciple, and challenge the people of God. So I want to be an encouragement to you. I want to uh, teach you the disciplines of the faith. A disciple is someone who is disciplined in the things of God. And I want to challenge you. And uh, of course, you know that's uh, people don't like to be challenged sometimes, as some of you have already found out. When you start a questioning assumptions, people get very uncomfortable with that. But um, anyway, so we're going to start this new study Wednesday nights at 7 o'clock. It'll either be live or it will be a video that is premiered. And of course, it will be put up on Facebook, YouTube, SoundCloud, and uh, my blog. So uh, check that out. Stay up in the study. I figure it'll be about 30 minutes each night, and uh, we'll work our way through Daniel. Uh, so Daniel, by way of introduction, is one of uh, one of three prophets who wrote outside of Israel. Ezekiel wrote, wrote outside of Israel. John the Apostle wrote outside of Israel with the book of Revelation on the Mount of Patmos. And of course, Daniel writes outside of Israel from Babylon. And then interestingly, interestingly enough, um, each of these three authors write with symbolism. Not all of it's symbolic, but they do write with symbolism. You know, Ezekiel um, talks about the Valley of Dry Bones. Uh, John, the Revelator, uh, talks about the beasts that come up out of the sea and out of the earth. And of course, Daniel, with his statues, and um, and then also the four beasts as well. Uh, he's got beasts in his writings. Uh, so each of the writers do incorporate symbolism uh, into their writings. And the way I believe that should be dealt with is unless the, the text dictate dictates otherwise, all scripture should be taken literally. But when they are using symbolic language, for example, John in the book of Revelation, I saw something like, in other words, John is just attempting to describe the unknown in the known. I can only explain what I don't know by what I do know, by comparing and contrasting. But I can't go beyond what I do not know. And John does that, Ezekiel does that, and Daniel uh, does that. But unless the text dictates otherwise, all scripture should be interpreted literally. And even when we're dealing with symbolism, we need to make sure that that symbolism... Um, goes in line with what we do know, that that symbolism does go in line with what has otherwise been revealed in scripture and not contradict it. If it contradicts it, then your interpretation of the symbolism is obviously wrong. So those are some rules of thumb for hermeneutics or biblical interpretation. Now the prophecies of Daniel, as we'll see, are so accurate that some have questioned its authenticity. Uh, No one disputes that Daniel wrote it, but there are some in the left or what we call moderate liberal um, side of Christianity questions um, the time period in which Daniel was wrote. It's so accurate that many, some will say, where I went to school, that's what I was taught, that it was actually written after, because there's no way Daniel could have possibly known what was going to happen. You know, that's preposterous. I find it hard to believe that people can believe in a heaven. They they can believe in a God that's going to come back and get us and, and take us away and take us to be his own. We can believe all that. But when it comes to something as trivial as when, Dan, when, when Daniel wrote the book, he couldn't have possibly known that. You know, I, I really struggle with that. Um, I just, my God is obviously bigger than yours. Uh, But there are people that do that. Um, As we do study the book of Daniel, uh, we're going to find ourselves over in the book of Revelation from time to time. Um, Daniel is to the Old Testament as Revelation is to the New Testament. You know, it goes back to that other saying that uh, the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. The New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. In other words, we can't fully under. I've, I've heard people say, even in the day in which we live, that we need to get away from the Old Testament. That's preposterous, okay? Uh, there's a lot of things that we could not possibly understand in the New Testament if it were not for what was in the Old Testament. Uh, we don't need to get away from the Old Testament. What we really need to do is learn how to rightly divide the word of truth. We need to understand the difference between law and grace, that's what we need to understand. We don't need to be getting away from the Old Testament. Uh, we need to be getting getting to who wrote it, who did they write it to, and what did the hearers understand to be uh, being said at the time. That is the interpretation of the text. Uh, so what we really need to do is learn how to rightly divide the word of truth. Because if you're reading something in the Old that's starting to contradict with something new or vice versa... Then you're probably not writing. No, you are. You're not rightly dividing the word of truth. There are no contradictions in the word of God. There are misunderstandings on our part, uh, but there's no contradictions in the word of God. So, as far as the author, the author, like I said, has never really been challenged. I mean, the the text makes it very clear that Daniel is for sure the one that wrote this. Uh, in Daniel seven, uh, verse number fifteen. Um, I mean, it says, I, Daniel, was grieved in my spirit in the midst of my body, and the visions of my head troubled me. I mean, it's written in the first person. Daniel's the author. Uh, in Daniel 8, verse number 1, In the third year of the reign of the king of Belshazzar, a vision appeared unto me, even unto me, Daniel, um, after that which had appeared unto me at the first. So Daniel is the author of the book. I mean, it's throughout Daniel 9, uh, verse number 20. And while I was speaking and praying, confessing my sin and the sin of my people, uh, Daniel is for sure the author of the book. And Jesus confirms this. Uh, in Matthew chapter number 24 and verse number 15, our Lord said, And when ye therefore see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet. So even our Lord confirmed that Daniel is the author of this book. Now Daniel we know historically lived in the sixth century uh, five, you know 530s, you know somewhere in there I mean he obviously lived to be quite old. Uh, some would say even up into his 80s or 90s. Uh, he was uh, in the sixth century. Uh, by his writing, we can discern we can discern that Daniel was a very educated man. He wrote in three languages. He wrote in Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek. So uh, he was definitely a very educated man. <clears throat> so that's a little bit of background. So in Daniel chapter number 1, verse number 1, we'll see how far we get. We're, I'm thinking these studies won't last more than about 30 minutes. So, And I want them to be interactive. I'm learning as you're learning. And uh, we'll just uh, continue to do this every Wednesday night at 7 o'clock until the Lord tells us something different. So in Daniel chapter number 1, verse number 1, In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, the king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it now now we are told of this account in 2nd kings chapter number 23 in 2nd kings chapter number 23 Jehoiakim was twenty and five years old when he began to reign, and he reigned reigned eleven years in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was Zebudah, and the daughter of Padiah of Rumah. And he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his fathers had done. So he was an evil king, and understand there were far more evil kings than there were good ones. And in his days, 2 Kings 24, 1, Uh, Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, came up and Jehoiakim became his servant. Three years, and he turned and rebelled against him. And of course, when he rebelled against him, uh, Babylon came with a vengeance um, down upon Jerusalem. Uh, So we're told of this account. Now, King Nebuchadnezzar was... What many would say was the world's first great monarch. I mean, he ruled the entire known world at that time through Babylon. And of course, Babylon today is Iraq. Uh, many people don't understand, but m- most of these countries are still around today. Babylon was Iraq. Um, uh, Persia is Iran. Uh, Assyria is Syria. You know, these countries are still here. It's just they no longer dominate like they did then. Now, <clears throat> that brings us to a history lesson. You know, why does he talk about, when he talks about Jerusalem and he besieged it, we need to understand that the kingdom had been divided for over 350 years at this time. Um, Of course, at one time, the children of Israel crossed the Red Sea, and they came into the Promised Land, and it was the nation of Israel. But you'll remember that when King Solomon died, that um, Rehoboam ended up being the king of the two southern tribes, which was Judah. And Jeroboam Ended up being the king of the 10 northern tribes, which became Israel, uh, as a result of the death of King Solomon. And it had everything to do with taxation and the military draft, and the people didn't want it anymore, and you know, he didn't listen, and it ended up splitting the kingdoms. And the kingdoms would never be reunited again. And as time passed, The ten northern kingdoms ended up being conquered by the Assyrians. And we're told about that in 2 Kings chapter number 17. uh, When King Ahaz, um, uh, king of Judah, began, Hosea, the son of Elah, to reign in Samaria over Israel for nine years, and he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. And against him came Shalmanazar, king of Assyria. Okay, and of course the Assyrians ended up um, conquering. they ended up besieging first and uh, taking uh, the the ten northern tribes away into captivity. That was around 701 B.C. And now we find ourselves in six around 600. BC, and the southern kingdom of Judah has been besieged and overtaken by King Nebuchadnezzar of the Babylonians. And thus began what we call the Babylonian captivity. And of course, Babylon ended up taking Assyria as well. So Babylon became the world-dominating power And we're told that this Babylonian captivity would last for 70 years. And we'll talk about that in the next verse. And then in verse number two, And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, uh, into his hand, along with some of the articles from the temple of God. These he carried off to the temple of his God in Babylonia and put in the treasure house of his God. So notice it says, the Lord gave Jehoiakim king of Judah into his hand. So this clearly indicates that this was a punishment. God was handing um, the kingdom over to King Nebuchadnezzar. Why? The answer to that is idolatry. Idolatry and disobedience is why God allowed Uh, both the northern and the southern kingdoms to be carried away into captivity. And we see that in Jeremiah. In Jeremiah chapter number 25, if you would look there, Jeremiah 25, then the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah concerning all the people of Judah in the fourth year of Jehoiakim, uh, the son of Josiah, king of Judah. That was the first year of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. So... Babylon had already risen to power. King Nebuchadnezzar was on the throne but one year. And now Jeremiah is speaking to Jehoiakim. Okay. And in verse 2, the which Jeremiah the prophet spake unto all the people of Judah and to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, saying, So this is the dire warning that Jeremiah is given, giving the nation. Uh, He says, From the thirteenth year of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah, even unto this day, that is the three and twentieth year, the word of the Lord hath come unto me, and I have spoken unto you, rising early, speaking unto you, but you have not hearkened. And the Lord hath sent unto you all of his servants, the prophets, rising early, sending them, but ye have not hearkened, nor even inclined your ear. They said, Turn... Ye again, now every one from his evil way and from the evil of your doings, and dwell in the land that the Lord your God hath given you and to your fathers forever and ever. And go not after other gods to serve them or to worship them, and provoke me not to anger with the works of your hands, and I will do you no hurt. This is a threat <laughs> that God is delivering at the mouth of Jeremiah to the nation of Israel to the to Jehoiakim, specifically who was the king at the time. Yet you have not hearkened, says the Lord, that ye might provoke me to anger with the works of your hands to your own hurt. Therefore, says the Lord of hosts, because ye have not heard my words, behold, I will send and take all the families of the north, saith the Lord. And Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, my servant will bring them against this land and against the inhabitants thereof and against all these nations round about and will utterly destroy them and make them an astonishment and a hissing and a perpetual desolation. I will take from them the myrrh, the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom, the voice of the bride, the sound of the millstones, the light of the candle. And this whole land shall be a desolation and astonishment, and they will serve the king of Babylon for 70 years. So why were they carried away into captivity? Idolatry. They had turned their backs on their God, and they started to worship the gods of the people around them, gods that were made with hands and not real gods. And then over in uh, Jeremiah Chapter number 29 and verse number 10, it says, For thus saith the Lord, that after 70 years will be accomplished. Now, Jeremiah says you're going to be carried out of your land for 70 years because of your idolatry. And he says, after those 70 years are accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you and I will perform my good word towards you and causing you to return to this place. So after 70 years of captivity, I'm going to bring you back home. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. And then you will call upon me and then you will go and pray unto me, and then I will hearken unto you. So they were carried away into captivity because of their idolatry, turning their backs on God. Now notice the word 70, the number 70 uh, comes out in these verses. Why 70 years? Why not send them away into captivity for 80 years? Why not 60 years? Why not 100 years? Why 70 years? Well, there's a reason for 70 years. And we find that over in Leviticus uh, chapter 25. Excuse me. In Leviticus chapter 25, when they had come into the land, God told them, I want you to work the land for six years. But in the seventh year, you are to allow the land to rest. So we see in Leviticus 25, And the word of the Lord came into Moses in Mount Sinai, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, When you come into the land that I will give you, you, shall, you, shall, Then shall the land keep a Sabbath unto the Lord. Six years you can sow it. Um, six years you can prune your vineyards. Six years you can gather the fruit thereof, but in the seventh year shall be a Sabbath of rest unto the land, a sabbath to the Lord, you shall not sow it, neither shall ye prune it, neither shall ye gather of its own gather any of the the produce off of it. The land shall have a rest for seven on in the Sabbath year, so we see that in Leviticus chapter twenty five Verses one through seven. Um, did they do that? <laughs> the answer is no. They did not. <clears throat> As a matter of fact, they were in the land for 490 years up until the time they were carried away by King um, by 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 Assyria and then and then later by the Babylonians. So they were in the land for 490 years and they did not allow the land to rest. As a matter of fact, in Leviticus 26, in verse number 33, And I will scatter you among the heathen, I will draw a sword after you, you and your land shall be desolate, your cities shall be waste. Then shall the land enjoy her Sabbaths, as long as it lieth desolate, and ye be in your, excuse me, in your enemy's land. Even then shall the land rest and enjoy her Sabbaths. As long as it lieth desolate, it will rest. Why? Because it, because it did not rest in your Sabbath when ye dwelt upon it. So we know historically that from the time Israel came into the land under the leadership of Joshua, and the land was divided, until the time Nebuchadnezzar came and carried them away into captivity, it was 490 years. So for 490 years, the children of Israel were in the land. They did not obey the Lord in allowing the land to rest. So 490 divided by 7 is 70. So 70 years is how much the children of Israel owed the Lord in the land to rest. So he says, I'm going to use Nebuchadnezzar as an instrument, as a vessel, And I'm going to allow him to carry you out of the land and punish you for 70 years because you did not allow the land to rest. And once the land's rested, I'll bring you back into the land. Um, So uh, that's why uh, they were carried away in captivity for 70 years. It had everything to do with with their idolatry and their failure to obey God. And again, I'll put these notes up on the blog if you want to follow along with that. And then in verse uh, 3, let's see, Daniel chapter uh, number 1 and verse number 3. Daniel 1, verse number 3. And the king spake unto Asphanaz, the master of his eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel and of the king's seed and of the princes, Children in whom was no blemish, <clears throat> but well favored and skillful in all wisdom and cunning and knowledge and understanding science and such as had the ability in them to stand in the king's palace in whom they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. Now, now the king says, I want you to take um, <clears throat> the royal family and of the nobility, young men, And understand, Daniel wasn't a street rat, okay? Daniel was raised in the palace. Daniel was royalty. And he says, I want you to take of those nobility, young men that do not have any physical defects, men that are handsome and that show an aptitude for learning, um, you know, the sciences and languages and things like that, well-informed men that are quick, to understand and qualified to serve before me. Um, and he, of course, placed Asphanez, which was the chief of his eunuchs, over this responsibility or this task. And then he was to take these men and he was to teach them the language and the literature of the Babylonians. Now, this is not just happenstance. This is fulfilled prophecy. Uh, back in Isaiah chapter number 39 um it says at that time <clears throat> Merodach Baladan the son of Baladan king of Babylon sent letters to the present and a present to Hezekiah so this is going back before Nebuchadnezzar one of his relatives Merodach Baladan the son of Baladan who was then the king of Babylon this was right when Babylon was just beginning to rise and he sent letters to Hezekiah who was then the king and <clears throat> for he had heard that he had been sick and was recovered. And you'll remember Hezekiah was the one that was on his deathbed and he prayed that God would not allow him to die. So God literally moved the sundial back and gave Hezekiah year, more years of life. Now, what did Hezekiah do with those years of life? He brought in the emissaries of Babylon and showed them everything in the palace. And as a result, it's going to be the destruction of Israel because of what Hezekiah did. And of course, you can read all about that in Isaiah 30, 38, 39. Um, But it says here, And Hezekiah was glad of them and showed them the house of his precious things, the silver, the gold, the spices, the precious ointment, and all the house of his armor and all that was found in his treasuries. There was nothing in his house and in all of his dominion that Hezekiah didn't show them. And then Isaiah steps forward and he says, What did you say to these men? Where did they come from? And Hezekiah said, They came from a country, a far country, Babylon. And then said he, What have they seen in thine house? And Hezekiah answered, All that's in my house have they seen. There's nothing among my treasures that I have not showed them. And then said Isaiah to Hezekiah, well, you need to hear the word of the Lord. Behold, the days are going to come that all that is in thine house and that which thy fathers have laid in store until this day shall be carried away into Babylon and nothing will be left, saith the Lord. And of thy sons that shall issue from thee, which thou shalt beget, shall they take away and they shall be eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. So what's happening here was prophesied also by Isaiah because of King Hezekiah who brought merodach Baladan from Babylon into the kingdom and showed them everything. And of course merodach Baladan and his descendants remembered all that was in the treasuries of the house of Israel and they wanted it. So this is a fulfillment of Isaiah chapter number 39. And of course, Daniel and his three friends were some of these descendants of Hezekiah that was brought into uh, Babylon in fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy. And then in verse 5, the king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. And they were trained essentially for three years. And then they were to enter into the king's service. Now these young men were going to be schooled, they were going to be trained at the hands of Asphanaz, which was over the eunuchs. Now what does that tell you about what they did to Daniel and his three friends? They made them eunuchs as well, um, which involved castration, uh, because the king did not want men around his harem, around his wives and his concubines, that had the ability to have intercourse with them. So they were all castrated. So this young man, his three friends, they are now eunuchs in, in, the, in the palace. Um, and of course they were taught um, the language of the Babylonians. They were taught the culture of the Babylonians. And again, this was an extensive indoctrination that was taking place. And as we read from the text, obviously it wasn't just Daniel and his three friends, who which we call Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, but it was many others as well. This was an indoctrination that was taking place. Now the word indoctrination, <clears throat> I looked it up. Uh, it is the process of teaching a person or group to accept a set of beliefs uncritically. That's interesting. Because they were being taught the customs, the languages, the beliefs of the Babylonians. They were being indoctrinated into the culture of Babylon. Sounds a lot like what's going on in our culture today. Um, our Our school systems have turned into indoctrination centers. Our children are... In the process of being taught to accept beliefs uncritically, they're not being taught to question. They're being taught to believe. Uh, And that's happening around our nation as well. Indoctrination is taking place. And our indoctrination centers are not the Palace of Shushan under under Ashvines, it is the education system under the Department of Education of our country that is doing the exact same thing. So that's that's a that's a different message for a, for a different day. But here we see verses one through five. What's going on? Um, <clears throat> Daniel chapter one, one through five. In the third year. Of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. Jerusalem, he besieged it. The Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, with part of the vessels of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar to the house of his God, and he brought the vessels into the treasure house of his God. And the king spake to Asphanaz, master of the eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel, the king's seed of the princes children in whom was no blemish, but well-favored, skillful in wisdom, cunning in knowledge and understanding science, such as had the ability in them to stand in the king's palace, whom they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat and of the wine which he drank, so nourishing them three years, that at the end thereof they might stand before the king." And next time we get together, verse number six. Now among these were the children of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. God bless you guys. Until we meet again, remember that God God loves you, wants the best for you. He's working all things out for your good.